1: Good to have you back here on the GM Shuffle. hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I was back home in Canada for a few days for a college buddy's wedding, drove back, so I was telling Mike off-air to go into Canada to take a PCR test. I showed proof of vaccination. I've been vaxxed twice. I got a booster. Uh, and they give me a take-home test to go have my dad swab my nose and send that in for my four-day trip back home. To get back into America, uh, proof of vaccination, that's nah, fine. You want a test? That's nah, okay.
2: Just come on in. God bless America, Mike. I'm back, baby. Uh, yeah, that border's just come on in. Everybody welcome. Them. Just come on in. Why not? I'm surprised they didn't give you a stipend to come into the country. You know, Why not? Come on in. And every Thanksgiving, I make the annual trek, which you'll appreciate. People here
1: in the New York, New Jersey area, the hell that is going to Long Island. Living in Jersey I to go through New York to go to Long Island. I'm like, where are all these people going? But of course, it's everyone going to visit family. 33 miles, hour 53. I'm like, God, the turkey better be good. Thankfully, the turkey was good. Pumpkin pie, my wife's family, uh, and then the drive back. How about you? How was Thanksgiving with the family?
2: You know, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I didn't have any drive. I got to stay here and I got to watch, uh, you know, a lot of football and uh, miss the grandkids, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have some time Christmas around them. But it was great. I mean, you know, there's nothing better than Thanksgiving, you know, with the uh, turkey and and enjoying it and football and going through all the things. But uh, I, I had, a, you know, I love it. It's just it's hard every year. Since my kids have left, my wife always says after Thanksgiving, it didn't feel like Thanksgiving. Well, because <laughs> her babies weren't here. That's why. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty clear. It's never going to be the same Thanksgiving, you yeah. know, and they're working in the NFL. So it's hard to have, if they're, if they're here for Thanksgiving, that means they're unemployed, which ain't good.
1: No, thankfully they're working, which is good news. Speaking of unemployed, people were tweeting us immediately saying, wait, how come you guys are talking about Jason Garrett? Well, of course we recorded our episode on Wednesday, so we could enjoy Thanksgiving with our families, but the clapper is... Is no more. Uh listen, (laughs) he's one of our favorites here in the GM Shuffle. I feel like we should pour a
2: little wine for him here. Salute to the clapper. I mean, look, there's I have nothing personal against my man Jason Garrett. I really don't. I do think though it's a it's a lesson in in you can't stay the same. You constantly have to evolve, not change, evolve. And I think, you know, to me, when you become a head coach and you stop evolving as a head coach, you know, then you become an offensive coordinator. I mean, this has happened before. Jim Fossil was a head coach, went to be an offensive coordinator, and got fired. His career never came back from that. I mean, it was over for him. He was done. And so, it's the same thing with Jason. I mean, you know, here you are. What are you going to do? Now, maybe you'll take a college job. There's a lot of them out there, right? You know, he's Went to Princeton, so he's smart. We know that, right? And you know, and but to me, has he evolved as a coach, as a leader, as somebody who really, really understands it and can relate to the current players and teach the players? You know, what I find fascinating is Rick Pitino at at, at Iona. I mean, here's Rick Patino at Iona. You know, he's been on he's been on top of the mountain right? He's been at the Knicks as the head coach. He's been at the Boston Celtics. He's been at Kentucky. He's been at, you know, and he takes this Iona job. And you would think when all these other jobs open, he doesn't want any other jobs because he can coach the players he wants to coach at Iona because he knows what he wants, right? He's evolved enough to know that maybe the five-star player isn't what I want. I want the two-star. I'll make him a four-star. Well, Jason has never evolved. And it was documented on his offensive performance at the New York football giants. There was no evolution. And great coaches always evolve. I mean, the fact that Joe Gibbs went to three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Now, when he came back in the league, he wasn't ready to come back in the league. He didn't evolve. He had taken too much time off. So he wasn't a part of the evolution. And I I think that's what happens to a lot of coaches is they stop coaching. They stop working. It becomes easy to stop coaching. It becomes easy to take to, to say, I'll let the coaches do that. Did you see Urban Meyer said the other day, last on Sunday, he said they asked him the question about why James Robinson wasn't in on the goal line. He said, well, you better check with Bevel and Schottenheimer. I don't micromanage. What? What? Seriously, you just said that? Like, you don't micromancy. Like, you're the head coach. Like, you, you think somebody just walks on the field in New England and says, oh, by the way, yeah, check with Mick Lombardi, the receiver coach. He puts you in. Like, <laughs> like seriously. Like, 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 how is this even possible? But this is what we're dealing with. And I think it's, it's part of the problem. The Garrett problem is, is part of not evolving.
1: And speaking of not evolving, we'll get to the Eagles and Giants in just a second. As far as Thanksgiving Day was concerned, listen, the Bears win, ugly game against the Lions, the Raiders win, which was a surprise, exciting game against the Cowboys, and the Bills all win, but... We'll get to that Giants-Eagles game, which was just a mess. I mean, the Giants defense steps up. They intercept Jalen Hurts three times. To the people who have been tweeting us, hey, do you guys going to change your mind on Hurts? I'm like, no. They, they, uh, your Honor, I present Exhibit A on Jalen Hurts last night. Season low in points. They scored seven points. He'd thrown five picks all season prior to last night. He throws three interceptions that game yesterday afternoon, I should say. The Giants meantime, it's not like their offense was that great. Jones hit Philadelphia. He didn't have Chris Meyerick with a one-yard score. Gano had a couple of field goals. But the Eagles were just atrocious. Four turnovers. Running back Boston, not so great. Scott losing a fumble that Julian Love recovers. And Jalen Rager, Mike, uh, this was horrific. Two passes that he should have caught and he drops them both. Just ugly, ugly football.
2: Well, they're all going to bl- everybody here in Philly is going to blame Rager. Although the fact nobody really acknowledges that that Hurts hasn't thrown for a hundred yards since the Raider game. He threw for 233 yards in the Raider game. It hasn't been since week four of the season that he threw for over 300 yards. He doesn't throw the ball. I mean, Pat Graham is a really good defense coordinator. He comes from the Belichickian school. He made this guy play quarterback in the pocket. He said, I dare you to beat me throwing. Read the quotes of the Giant players after the game. They all said, hey, look, we, we want him to play quarterback. We want him to play NFL quarterback. And if he could beat us from the pocket playing NFL quarterback, then then he'll beat us. But we didn't think he could, and he couldn't. And, you know, what happens when you run the ball and you don't cash it in the red zone and you've got to make tight throws, he throws an interception at the end of the half, which kills him. I mean, you can blame Breger all you want for drops, and there's no doubt he should catch the ball. I mean, especially considering you picked Justin, you picked him over Justin Jefferson. Think about that, baby. You know, Oh. And so there's a lot of pressure on you, but I'm sure they'll blame Dougie for that. But the reality of it is, is, is you've got to be able to score points when you get in the red zone and the Giants, you know, even though they made the change at offensive coordinator with Freddie Kitchens, it didn't get any better for them offensively. Daniel Jones couldn't make a play, but the reality here is the Eagles are never going to beat any good coordinator if they can't throw the football and they can't throw the ball. I mean, they can't make any throws. You know, it's week after week after week that, that he doesn't do it. And I, and I just keep, you keep saying it and people say, well, people, it's so bad. They confuse winning with six, with playing well, you know, I mean, they, they confuse that, you know, and, and so they average three, nine per play, the Eagles in the game, right? He, he, he ran, he's still the leading rusher of the team. Like they're running the single wing. Can we just accept this? That's what they run the single wing. And if that's going to work, you say, well, it works in Baltimore. No, it really doesn't. I mean, it does and it doesn't. When they have to play a game where they have to throw the ball, so far Lamar's been able to win a playoff game. So we know it doesn't work. To me, it's just one of those where I, they're masking the bigger issue, which is Hurts isn't a quarterback.
1: Yeah. And how about the clock management end of the first half? I'm watching it just appalled by the fact they can't even get three simple points. Like, I mean, literally a, a third grader would understand, okay, there's eight seconds left on the clock, run one more play, take two seconds, if not throw it out of bounds. No, Hurst stress to scramble incomplete.
2: They can't even get the field goal, It's mean, just horrific. I mean, he is a one-look-and-run guy. I think it's pretty much the case. I mean, you know, even in the two-minute drill at the end of the game, he should have thrown an interception twice on that drill. You know, you blame Rieger. I mean, blame the giant defenders. I mean, Rieger wouldn't have been on the spot if if, if they would have made a couple interceptions back in the in the back end. He stared down the one guy on the in-cut, you know, and, and it should have been picked off. The kid dropped it. So... Look, I mean, they have the Jets this week. They'll get better, you know. But here's the thing that I find fascinating: the Eagles are five and seven. The Giants are four and seven. One team they're preparing the Super Bowl parade on Broad Street. The other team is in the top five in the draft. What, what's the difference between the two teams? <laughs> it's it's all the perception, right? Well, I think the way we
1: were selling the Eagles last week, like, as you said, they got the New York, New York, the Sinatra with the Giants and the Jets are not traveling at all. Like this is a huge benefit to them. Cowboys are wobbly. But all of a sudden you see a game like that and you go, listen, the Eagles aren't going to step up. We all know that. And as far as the Cowboys are concerned, I mean, that game, both teams penalized the Raiders and the Cowboys. A uh, combined 28 times for 276 yards, 38 and a half million viewers making it CBS's highest viewed Thanksgiving game since 1990. I mean, I know it was exciting, but Dallas has now dropped three of their last four games. They're seven and four overall. And the Eagles and Giants are good enough, so they're going to win that division by default. But how about the
2: fact both quarterbacks step up at that just avalanche of penalties? I mean, I'm I mean, Hockley was convinced we were watching him do the game. The back judge, Tim Mills. You know, when I was in the league, I, I, I hated when I knew he was doing the game. I mean, just think about this: we all watched that Thanksgiving game, and we were eat, after eating turkey, and then we watched all the games on yesterday. And you. If Tim Mills would have been referee in any one of those games, we would have had five pass. Inter- How many pass interferences did you see that weren't called yesterday that Tim Mills would have called? Oh, at least a dozen. I mean, at least a dozen. dozen. Yeah. I'm watching the Vikings game. I, I I had a horrible week. I was 0 for 3 with my picks I gave out. Minnesota was one of the picks I gave out. And I'm hoping to try to get a backdoor cover on that. And 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 there's a, pass inter- a blatant pass interference in, on the two-minute drive with, with Kirk Cousins and and it's never called if Tim Mills would have been there it would have been called i mean like you really i mean it's just unbelievable how he wants to be involved in a game and so does hockley so does my man scott novak so i i don't know what to say i mean thanksgiving game it was a great game i felt bad for all the people in the survivor because a lot of people saved dallas just for that game alone and i think the lesson to learn there is don't save teams like just figure it out both quarterbacks, Zach
1: Prescott, Derek Carr, 370-plus yards, a combined three scores, no turnovers, and up at the wideouts? Hunter Renfro, Deshaun Jackson, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup all went over 100 yards receiving. That's the story of the NFC East. We moved to the Bucks and the Colts. It was the best game as far as the early window was concerned. As the Bucs were down, they came back to win at 38-31. 30 Colts were up 10 after Carson Wentz found T.Y. Hilton, four-yard score on fourth and goal right before halftime, but the Bucs thrown back 14 unanswered back back Back-to-back touchdown runs by Fournette and Jones. And then you see Brady capping it off. Vintage to Fournette. Third rushing score of the day. The Bucs improved to 8-3. and Indy falls to 6-6. and I mean, this was, again, the Buccaneers showing their resolve, Mike. And how about the fact Gronk monster day, 123 yards. When he's back, they're a different offense.
2: Yeah, and, you know, his size is such a difference against those teams he has to. I mean, those little defensive backs for for, Indy can't tackle a big bastard. I mean, you know, with those toilet seat hands he's got, those gloves, they look like two toilet seats. I mean, he just catches the ball. <laughs> Who can tackle him? And Brady was just, you know, Brady was just going to do what he had to do. He's four for five in the red zone. You know, he was only in third down eight times. So he took advantage of their defense. I mean, this is the problem to me with the Colts is any, any really good coordinator or quarterback that plays against their defense that understands how you have to play them. They can't, and at the end of the day, this is the 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 problem is is my man Carson, Ricky Fowler, Wentz. He, you know, when the pressure's on him to win the game, that ain't going to be him. That's just not going to be him. If it if the game can't run through Jonathan Taylor, the Colts can't win it, and I think that's the biggest issue. And, you know, we saw Jonathan Taylor, they couldn't really, he couldn't get it going. The one drive when they ran him with the football, he was, but the Bucks did a great job of controlling the run and put the ball in Wentz's hands. And, and it wasn't quite good enough. You know, at the end of the game, they they almost got him right back in the game. I mean, they, they kicked the ball inbounds, smart play. So they had 10 seconds left on the clock. They tackled the guy. And, you know, they had two plays and Wentz couldn't even get it close couldn't get it to the end zone. So, yeah,
1: with regards to Wentz, he reminds me of that famous adage. It's like a woman in a bikini. You know, that's statistics, like woman in a bikini. They tell you a lot, but they don't tell you the whole story. Yeah, exactly. So with Wentz, right? 306 yards passing, three touchdowns, two picks. Oh, wow. Pretty good. Yeah. But when the push comes to shove, is this guy going to step up? No. And the Colts, by the way, Mike, I mean, they're six and six right now. That AFC, that last playoff spot, they're going to be hovering around that playoff spot but I don't see them being a contender. Like maybe they squeeze in, but they're not going to do any damage.
2: Yeah, you know, they're going to, uh, well, Ken, I mean, when they play against a team that'll stop their run, like the Bucks did, where are they going? If Wentz has to play and then, you know, Wentz does, can he make the plays in the passing game? Do they have enough juice in their in their offense to be able to do that? I I, I'm, I certainly question that. I question their defense. I question their ability to play, de- I mean, their spot drop zone defense that, that has a hard time getting off the field, especially when you play a team like Tampa who gets first downs and two downs.
1: Jonathan Taylor leads the league in rushing, but playoff Lenny Fournette, absolutely massive for the Buccaneers. Coming up next, who needs draft picks? Certainly not the Rams. They've mortgaged their future future for the star power of Matthew Stafford, Von Miller, most recently OBJ, or are they writing a Hollywood classic or a box office dud? And did the Pats get their sixth win in a row? Find out next on the GM Shuffle.
0: All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness that's just ridiculously high so what you got to do go check out the PxG black ops driver you'll be as impressed with it as I am learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com GM shuffle and use code GM shuffle at checkout that's pxg.com slash GMshuffle code GMshuffle for free shipping on all equipment pxg.com slash GMshuffle code GM shuffle 168 hours after issuance DKNG.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
1: Clash of NFC heavyweights. You're going into this game. All right. Going to be tough for the Rams to win at Lambeau, and they don't win. 36-28, to but both quarterbacks, again, were fun to watch. Throwing for 300-plus yards and three total touchdowns, but Stafford turnovers. That was the difference. Lost a fumble on a sack, threw a pick six for the third consecutive game. Think about that. Three straight games, you're giving up a
2: touchdown the other way. Mike, that's an absolute killer there from Stafford. It's an absolute killer. And and I mean, I think the untold story here is the Rams just have no physical toughness in their offensive line. It got beat up. They have no physical toughness in their defensive front. I mean, look, we could talk about it all we want. And we could keep saying that, you know, they have Von Miller now and they have Aaron Gibson and Aaron Donald. And they have, you know, they have all these great players on defense. But tell me when they stop somebody. Tell me when they get control of a game. I mean, the last two the San Francisco, they gave up 335. This week, they gave up 399. Like, they gave up 156 yards rushing to San Francisco. Like, you know, they lose to the Titans, but they didn't give up anything. But the Houston Texans even moved the ball. I mean, go back to the Detroit game that moved the ball. I thought coming out of the bye, they would fix some of their defensive problems. But my question is, I don't understand. Why do you, why are we paying Jalen Ramsey all this money? Why do we pay him all this money? And then we allowed Devontae Adams to have eight catches for 104 yards. Like why wouldn't why wouldn't we just put him on him all the time or double him all the time and put and put Jalen Ramsey on the number two receiver and make it hard? I mean, you never felt in this game that the Rams had a chance. I never felt from the opening drive that this the Rams had a chance to win. The Packers defensive line kicked their ass up front. I mean, the Rams' offensive line is not good. And if the Rams go far into the playoffs, it's going to disprove everything that you, they have skill players, they have a quarterback, all that. They don't want to run, they can't run the ball. They had 20 carries for 68 yards. McVay has lost who he is. He has lost who he is. He has been a run guy, play action pass. And now that he has Stafford, it's easy to start throwing the ball. And he's exposing what he was hiding when he had golf, which was the offensive line. And, you know, and and it's not going to get now. This week they get Jacksonville. That's easy, right? That's no problem. They'll beat Jacksonville. They'll come back, you know, and then they got to go to Arizona. I mean, think about that. They've lost two straight road games against teams that they could face in the playoffs. And Arizona will be at full strength on that Monday night game.
1: Yeah, Rams have now dropped their third straight game. And as far as Rodgers and the Packers are concerned, Adams, Cobb, Valdez, Scanlon combined for 249 yards and a touchdown. They're 9 3. By the way, Aaron Rodgers is still not healthy. He's battling a fractured pinky toe. He's 38 years of age. And right now, it feels like it's Green Bay and Arizona for the best team in the NFC. Mike, the Packers were your pick to go to the Super Bowl at the start of the season. If you ask me, Green Bay, Arizona, I feel like I like the Packers right now.
2: You know, I I said this yesterday. I like the Rams in the game only because only because I thought the Packers were too beat up, especially in their offensive line. They start some kid at left tackle that had no business being out there. And, you know, Rodgers gets rid of the ball so quick, it didn't matter. So I I said on my VEASAN show, I said, look, I'm picking the Rams, but I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC. I really do. I think they are the best team because Rodgers, you know, this will become political, but he should be the MVP of the league. I mean, he is the best player in the league by far. You know, it's he's been having a sensational season. He's carrying the team. We saw the team without him. I mean, they look more like the Texans than they do like the best team, but he's playing. They look like the best team in the league. So, you know, and the Rams, let's go back to the Rams. Who have they beaten that 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 we think is really good? They beat the Bucs in week three. Okay. That was a good win. They lose, they get humiliated at home by the Cardinals. They beat Seattle, which isn't a good team right now. They beat the Giants, the Lions, the Texans. They lose to the Titans without their best players. I mean, who have they beaten? I mean, who have they beaten? It's they're a marquee name, but they're not a marquee team. They haven't played well. I mean, fundamentally, when you watch them play, I mean, they had that they gave up 60 rushes and completions to the Packers yesterday. Packers had the ball almost 40 minutes, and the Rams had 41. What, what made Sean McVay successful is his ability to be able to have some balance and, and really hide his offensive line. And now he's not doing it.
1: Disappointment there for the Rams. As you said, easier schedule now coming forward. Meantime, the Chargers and the Broncos. How about Denver? They The rookie Patches are taking a second. He picked up Justin Herbert twice, returned to the second one 70 yards for a touchdown as they were all over them. Denver's defense was outstanding. I mean, uh, they lose Bridgewater temporarily to a lower right leg injury, but everybody else steps up because of their defense at 147 yards rushing against the league's worst run defense. LA just cannot stop the run. And the Broncos' big win now sets up a showdown for the AFC West lead next weekend in Kansas City. Denver's six and fives. The Chiefs are seven and four. That game's already been flexed to Sunday night. Mike, the Chargers, we love Herbert, but God, their run defense is atrocious. I'm not sure the Chargers are better than they were last
2: year. I mean, everybody talks about Staley being coach of the year and all this. The, the Chargers actually were better last year than they are this year. I, I mean, they really are. I mean, they can't they can't get control of the game. They can't stop. Herbert's got to win everything. You know, he made two bad decisions in the game. And like I keep saying, if you limit Mike Williams to not having a big play yesterday, he had four catches for thirty nine yards, a nine point eight average, you, they they're not going to beat you. They're not going to beat you. You know, and and. Eckler had 12 carries for 31 yards. I mean, you, you got to be able to have some balance. I just think to me, defensively, they can't get control of the defensive front and they can't stop the run. I mean, they gave up 4.3. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater threw for 129 yards and Drew Locke came in the game and you couldn't be as, I mean, Drew to, for Drew Locke to be on NFL roster is almost a joke at this point. I mean, he went in the game, he was four for seven, and he threw an interception. He threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen in my life. I I, I thought if I were Pat Shermer, I might have jumped out of the box. (laughs) I might have jumped out of the box. Like, I I don't know how you put Drew Locke back on the field. Like, I have no idea how you could put him back on the field. So, look, I don't think Denver has any chance in hell to beat Kansas City. They can't score with them. Kansas City's defense is playing much better. I think Kansas City's going to win the West, kind of just going away with it. You know the Raiders aren't going to give them any competition. The Raiders have to go back in there. I think this is over. I think Denver's going to be an eight and eight, nine and eight, not eight and eight and nine, nine and eight type team, but they're not good enough. They need a quarterback, and it's pretty clear.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit ugly there for Denver. As we said, we like their talent. They're good enough to be around a five hundred team, maybe push for the playoffs, but ultimately not make any noise. I do have to bring this up. Though. I just got this tweet coming in hot from Jay Bushmaker. Love the pod, but no more LaFuck. All the man does is win. Yeah, he has Aaron Rodgers, but the team is prepared to win every week. And with the injuries, they're still getting it done. He's only lost nine games in almost three years. Time to put some respect on his name. What is
2: Big Daddy saying about him right now? <laughs> uh, the Big Daddy said, well, we don't. you know, he, Big Daddy's never put any respect on his name. I mean, you know, look, give the guy credit. I agree with you, but the big daddy I, over for Thanksgiving. He wasn't buying it. He pissed off at Tom Thibodeau. I went through the whole thing with him. I mean, I, he's some Nick yeah. fans too, right? I'm like, he, he's not happy with Thibodeau. I said, who are you happy with? Like, seriously, like, who are you happy with? Like, you know, but LaFuck's never going to get any love. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we saw Jordan Love go in the game with them. I mean, let's, let's ask this question. If, if Matt LaFleur was coaching the Carolina Panthers, what would their record be?
1: Yeah, probably worse or same. Like there's not exactly. If you have a star quarterback, it changes
2: everything. Come on. I mean, it's just so different, you know. I mean, and look, I think he's done a good job, and I thought he was aggressive yesterday, and he does have his team ready. But in big games, let's see if he's going to leave those tackles on an edge like he did in this playoff game. You should still be pissed off at him for that playoff loss to to Tampa last year. You were the better team.
1: Speaking of coaches, how about your boy Bill Belichick and the Patriots? Here we go. 36-13, to 13, they stomped the Titans. This is a Titans team. We know how good their defense has been, right? We've talked about that. Mike Vrabel, coach of the year. Instead, the hottest team right now in football are the Patriots, and they took apart the Titans. Mac Jones having a stellar season. He's gone from, like, solid, capable. Like, no, no, now he's he's bringing it. 310 yards, two scores to Kedrick Bourne, uh, the Bourne identity. A red-hot, 123.2 passer rating. They have the, the league's top ranked total defense. The Patriots, they sacked Tannehill twice, picked him off once, held him to 93 yards in the air, I thought Bills win the division, Mike. Patriots push for a playoff spot. No, the Pats are now the favorite to win the division. Maybe the Bills
2: get a playoff spot. The Titans are eight and four. The Patriots are eight and four. How are they doing this? Well, I mean, they're doing it because their rookie quarterback isn't playing like a rookie. Can we just put an end to this whole conversation? Who's the rookie of the year? Like, you get Jamar Chase, nice story, good player, no doubt, but he's not the rookie of the year. The rookie of the year is in New England. I mean that guy's playing really well. Like, like at some point we have to just all this pro football focus talk and all this bullshit that Trey Lance. You can't pick him the third pick in the draft. The guy's a really good player. He's playing like a pro player. He gets players from the league to defend him. Nobody wants to defend him. The analytical people don't say he does. All he does is check the ball down, makes throws down the field. I mean, look, it's pretty clear. And and I think this. Belichick has been able to do what Belichick does because the system is back to where it normally is. Last year, he didn't have an offseason program. He didn't have minicamps, didn't have OTA days. He didn't have a chance to bond his team, to build his team's character, to develop mental toughness within the team. So that hurts. This year, he's got all those things. He's got a team. He's healthy. He's able to go out there and practice. They're getting better every week. They're not perfect by no means, but they get better every week. And they're building a crescendo to the, to play in December and January football where they'll play well. And, and they can run it. They can play in any kind of weather. They couldn't run it yesterday against the Titans. Titans loaded a box, dared them to throw the football, and they did. And look, they gave up a ton of yards to the Titans on the ground, 6.9. But they knew if they, they weren't going to play, the Tannehill couldn't make plays in the passing game, they weren't going to lose. The Titans were at half strength. I mean, let's face it. I mean, it wasn't fair fight because the Titans didn't have all their guys. That being said you know, the Patriots are a good team and they can play right and left-handed and that's what makes them. But let's just stop this. Like Mac Jones is the rookie of the year. There's no doubt.
1: The Titans did run the ball well. Hilliard and Foreman went over 100 yards each but only produced 13 points. As you said, Tannehill could not make key plays when he needed to do so. Now, would you go so far to say the Patriots are a favorite to win the AFC East, or do you think it's still the Bills?
2: I I think you still have to put it on the Bills. I mean, this will be a great Monday night game a week from today. Uh, You know, uh, the Bills are going to have to see if they can handle the toughness. I mean, Mac Jones in a big, big game in Buffalo on the road on Monday night with a rookie quarterback. Remember, they still have a rookie quarterback. I mean, it's like hard. He's won eight games. They're they're 6-0 on the road with a rookie quarterback. I mean, he's going to he's gonna have a mishap at some point, and so it's going to be a challenge to go up there. They're going to have to win it in three phases, and that Buffalo defense will be a little bit complex for him to handle. I, I think it's early. I think he'll grow. They have the bye week coming off of that, but I think the guy's been really—he's been everything we thought he was and more, and he deserved to be—he deserved to be—maybe he should have been the second pick in the draft. He looks better than Zach Wilson right now. It certainly does.
1: Um, before we get to the mailbag, I do want to bring this up. We don't talk a lot of college football. This is pretty big, Mike. Lincoln Riley to USC. Says the OU exit, his most difficult decision. OU losing a five-star quarterback, three others amid the Riley departure. This is interesting only because we had mentioned before maybe Urban Meyer would take that job, but I know we don't talk a lot of college, but great weekend of football. God, that Michigan game, Ohio State um, was great. What a win for the Wolverines in the snow. I mean, it, it, like, this is perfect football weather, Ann Arbor. Notre Dame stomped Stanford. Alabama, huge comeback. God, they're down. T- like 10 minutes ago in the fourth, my buddy Todd Grisham was like, ah, no problem. Alabama will beat him. They do so in the four overtime. But your thoughts on any of the college football games or Lincoln Riley specifically going to SC?
2: You know, I think when, when Oklahoma went into the Southeast Conference, I think Lincoln Riley probably wasn't. I think this move indicates he wasn't in favor of that. He's sitting in the Big 12, right? And he's got a chance to get to the Final Four every year from the Big 12. He can dominate the Big 12 in recruiting. All he's got to do is beat Texas, and they've been down. But now they go in the Southeast Conference. Is he going to dominate the Southeast Conference, or is he going to turn into a program like Mike Leach has at Mississippi State, seven, four, eight, and three? You know, and to me, that move into the Southeast Conference, I don't think I don't think he wanted it. I don't think it's in his personality. He's not a tough-minded, grinded-out guy. It's got to be really easy for him. So you go to SC. Shit, now you got something, right? You go out there. Who you got to beat? Utah. You know UCLA. The Washington's down. There's really you got a chance to get yourself in there. Get a good program. Hollywood. Get those shades on. I mean, like <laughs> seriously. I mean, I think this. I was told this, and and this is reliably reported. Last week, I was told that LSU thought they had their coach. And everybody thought it was Lincoln. And on Saturday night, LSU called. I know this for a fact. LSU had a catering company all ready for an announcement on Sunday afternoon. They were going to announce their coach. And it was going to be Lincoln. And Lincoln bailed on him and went to USC. That's
1: what happens sometimes. Uh, Let's get to the mailbag here. As always, send us your questions. The Shuffle at gmail.com. Feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the Shuffle. This is from Andy. You frequently talk about how important talent, design, and execution are to successful football. Can you talk about how player motivation impacts execution and how you scout for self-motivation? In your experience, how important is the coach to maximizing the motivation of an NFL player? In your opinion, who are the best coaches at motivating players and why?
2: Well, I think this, I think, you know, what I was saying earlier about Rick Patino. Rick Pitino is able, is loves coaching at Iona because he can coach. The players aren't five-star prima donnas and he can coach them and he can coach them hard. So he knows what he needs to coach. All great coaches understand what they need to coach. It's not always the most talented player. It's the player that will accept and embrace coaching. It's the player who wants to try to improve. You know, Penny Hardaway had a quote the other day about, you know, the game has changed, that, you know, you can't the players now control the coaches can't control the game, the players control the game. That's completely wrong. That's complete. That's AAU basketball. That's not, that's not NC2A basketball. That's not what we believe in. Coaches still can, but what, what you must do as a coach is develop and procure players that you want around you. It's called building a culture. And I think the teams that do that, Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin gets better players. I was talking to a guy as a personnel guy. I said the best part of working for Belichick is because you know the players will improve. They may not be good enough. You may you you admit you made a mistake, but the players will improve. And I, and I think you go through the league in that, and you can find the teams that like like Brian Flores. Look, he's one in seven. Now he's won five games in a row. He's back in the playoff. I think he's getting his team, coaching his team to get them to play better. There's no denying that. And I think you see it every week. I think Frank Wright's players get better. I don't know if they get better on defense, but I think they get better on offense. So I, I think, you know, when you go through the league... You know, the Bucks are really just talented, but I think when you see the teams that can execute, I think the one thing that I noticed on, on Saturday, AD, was watching Michigan play. Michigan, to me, was a team that was so fundamentally well-coached. Their technique, their fundamentals, their competitiveness, they embraced it. Like, they kicked the shit out of Ohio State. They kicked, they didn't punt in the second half, never got, they didn't get in the third down until the goddamn, the end of the game. They just punched him in the mouth and it starts on Wednesday's practice. But I think Harbaugh has a team that he can coach in his style. And I think that's really important.
1: Uh, Definitely. Great win there for the Michigan Wolverines. We now get to the awards here in the GM Shuffle. And I got to say on the lamb. Listen, you were praising Cam Newton when he went to Carolina about the leadership, the fact he's a winner. He went five of 21, 92 yards, two interceptions, a passer rating of 5.8. He got benched in the fourth quarter. The Panthers now 0 2 with Newton as a starter. His 23.8 completion percentage, the worst by a player with 20 plus
2: attempts since 04. Disaster. Yeah, it wasn't good at all. It didn't look good at all. I mean, the game plan wasn't good. They struggled from the opening. I mean, the first series of the game, they get a punt blocked. I mean, they were a team that's going on a bye that looked like they went on the bye too early. That's what they look like to me. I mean, they just didn't play well. And give Miami credit. I mean, Tua played really well. They never, ever made Tua have to hold the ball. They never made Tua have to throw the ball in a tight window. They allowed him to have off coverage. You can't, to me, with Tua, you got to jam the receivers, disrupt the timing. He's only going to throw the ball short. Everybody in the league knows it, right? And you've got to be able to jam the receivers, force him to have to play and to throw the ball into tight windows and see if he can get it in there. And the and the Panthers really never did that. So to me, I could see why you want to put them on the lam. I don't think there's any doubt about that.
1: Uh, the other option, the Steelers, by the way. I mean, the fact that they got just hammered by the Bengals, horrific. I mean, forty-one to ten is awful, Mike.
2: Well, I, you know, and and this is really the, the, to me, this is Ben's awful. I mean, Ben needs to go on the lam. And he, and we said it earlier. I mean, Ben is only hurting them, not helping them. Not, not that Mason Rudolph would help him at all. So get, don't get me wrong with that. But Ben, it's like I said this summer. When you take an older player, and you get into November, he plays worse than he did. And you could see this with Ben. He can't move. Can't get out of his own way. Can't make a play. You know. And the Steelers, you know, they owed it to him to bring him back. But I think we're seeing the torch being passed. Mike Tomlin, we keep thinking he's going to be able to. Mo- I did particularly. I thought the Steelers would cover this line. I didn't think they win. But you get four and a half with the Steelers. I thought it was a good play. No, it wasn't at all. Because here's the reality: the reality of it is, is there's there's nothing in the tank in Pittsburgh. They can't. Ben has nothing left. And so you know, I, I think to me, it's the. I think you put him on the lam. But you really, there's only two people to go on the lam. There's only two people. There's the the the, the chess match between Boris Spassky and Bobby Fischer that we witnessed on Thanksgiving Day. I mean Battle that the geniuses. that that needs to go on the fucking lamp. I mean that needs to be we need to have we need to have them mic'd up every week. Like you talk about a Saturday night live skit. I mean two timeouts. I mean I mean if you're if you're Rod Wood and you hired Dan Campbell, how did you think your turkey tasted? How how do you think your turkey tasted? Like, and Matt Nagy's celebrating like he won the 64 election. I mean, like it was unbelievable. Very <laughs>
1: cold water.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, just, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> he's running around the field like he just conquered, you know, he just conquered Constantinople. I mean, like, holy shit. <laughs> like, stop. Like, I mean, that chess match was just brilliant. I mean, those two should go on the lam. I don't know if, you know, we may not look for them. I mean, they can be in West Cape May and maybe nobody would look for them. <laughs> You know, what's that line in a song, you know, is missing person that no one missed it all? I think that's the case.
1: ball well, the Geniuses. Thanks to GM ReShuffle for posting that. Uh, Fred Palermo Award, best game plan of the week. Who are you getting love to this week?
2: You know, I, I, I'm going to give it to the Miami Dolphins. I, I think Miami has done a great job of they understand who Tua is, they play to his strengths, and their defense has really come around. I mean, Miami has played good football in the last month of the season. I mean, they really have. And... They've done they've reaped they've kind of they're 5 and 7. I mean, they are back. I mean, they're on this they're on this four-game winning streak, you know, and they've played really good defense over the four games. They've created they've created uh 10 turnovers in the last four weeks. They haven't turned the ball over. I mean, the Houston game they turned it over five times. That was a disaster, but but for the most part, I mean, they've beaten Baltimore, they've beaten Carolina, you know, and so I think that they've done a really good job. And I think last week against Carolina, they played really well. It was a great game plan against them, especially offensively. Hats off to them. They're doing a much better job.
1: All right. Give them some love to the Dolph. That's the thing. People should hear this. Tell me the GM show, all oh, Lombardi's biased. No, you crap on two. You crap on the Dolphins. You give them love when need be. If you guys step up, we'll give you the
2: love, right? Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, how's Emily, you think, this week with Baker? <laughs> oh,
1: but I, I think you're mentioning that. So I listen, we have a great loyal fan base here on the GM shuffle. I'm not asking anyone to do this, go to their own pocket, but if we can get some t-shirts made, because I think Mike had the line of the year. He's tough. But he sucks, or he sucks, but he's tough. Either way, if we can get some T-shirts made of Baker Mayfield, that'd be great. Because God, that offensive performance on Sunday night against the Ravens—I mean, listen,
2: tough guy, gritting it out. Can't score, can't win. We're a 500 team, but man, he's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable, right? So let's just go through that. We didn't talk about that game, right? They they start the game off. They have two possessions in the first quarter, miss field goal, right? They they get the ball. They get the ball. They have three in this third quarter. They get the ball three times in a row with interceptions. And here's their third quarter. Punt, fumble, field goal, fumble, punt. I mean, seriously. And then they get the ball. Then Baltimore comes out and scores. In this third quarter, they both go punt, touchdown. They go. And then in the fourth quarter, they get another interception. And of course, naturally, they go three seven place punt, three place. I mean, here's the reality. And I know nobody in Cleveland wants to hear this. But Baker, when you make him play behind the center, he can't see. He, there's no passing game with Baker. There is none. He's a six-foot quarterback. You're going to have to suck it up. You're going to have to accept it. Like, and nobody's allowing him to do the boots and the nakeds. He's 41-yard pass plays. There's no big plays. And if you take away the run, Baltimore played a five-man defensive front. Said, "Do we dare you? You're not going to run the ball on us. Can't run the ball." Conklin, the right tackle, he's out now, so you can't have your right tackle back in there. Where are you going to make a play? No big plays, no points. I mean, when you go through this, when you go through it, and you look at what they were, what they've done so far this year. The Brownies, uh, I mean, it's really pretty clear. When they don't make a big play, when they don't make a chunk pass play, think about this now, A.D. Okay, so they they come back from Los Angeles, they score 40, they, they score 42 points, they lose that game. They play the Cardinals, they score 14. They beat Denver, they score 17. They lose to Pittsburgh, bad loss, they score 10. Okay, they go down to Cincinnati, they win that game because they turn the ball over, make big plays. Chubb long run, 70-yard pass to Peoples-Jones. Come back, play New England, seven points. Detroit, they've managed 13 points, 10. They can't score points. They cannot. They beat Minnesota in week four of the season. They scored 14. I mean, they can't score. They can't score points, and the quarterback can't make plays. When he has to play quarterback from the pocket, he can't make plays. I don't give a shit that he's hurt. If he's hurt so bad, put Case Keenum in there.
1: Ugly football for the Browns. Like I said, they're a 500 team. At least the road to the AFC North does not go through Pittsburgh, as the Bengals now sweep the season series against the Steelers. They won those two games by a combined 45 points. Last one, if you don't know, now you know. What we got this week on the GM shelf?
2: I think Green Bay's the best team in LA. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Green Bay is the best team in the league, Big Daddy. I hate to I hate to put the jinx on you, but I think <laughs> Green Bay is the best team in the league. I think they're balanced. Their defense. I think the defensive front's playing really well. You, you got to give them credit uh, in terms of how they play defensively. They've, they're battling through a bunch of injuries. I think I think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the league. I think there's no doubt in my mind. I think he's carrying this team on his back. Devontae Adams is 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 so good. And, you know, they got Aaron Jones, who came back early to play in the game. They can control the football. The ball comes out of Rogers' hands so quick, so he offsets the defensive, the offensive front. I think now, to me, as we enter December, I think Green Bay's the best team in the
1: league. Amen to that. It's tough to argue with that kind of logic. They looked awfully good. As you said, there was there was no time watching that game. And you thought, oh, the Rams will be able to win this. Like, no, they're not going to win this. Uh, as far as the... Um, Pop Culture Minute is concerned. One quick one here, just first on Tony Bennett, because Lady Gaga said, he's my friend, he's my musical companion, he's the greatest singer in the whole world. Lady Gaga tearing up. 95-year-old Tony Bennett, Performing Lady Gaga Radio Music City Hall performance. It aired on TV last night. I didn't see that, but we love our old Italian singers. But Mike,
2: ninety five years old. I taped it. Did you watch Succession last night?
1: I haven't seen it yet. But somebody tweeted, they go, if you and Lombardi love your uh, villainous characters, you're going to love last night's episode.
2: I, I yeah, I heard that. If if yeah, the, the guy said, I think if you, if you thought they were unlikable before, wait, do you see them now? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Like I'm glad the, you taped Tony Bennett. I left my heart in San Francisco. It doesn't get better than that.
2: I mean, I I saw I saw Billy Joel when they closed Shea years ago. It must have been 120 degrees that Saturday. <laughs> I mean, it was so fucking hot. I mean, it was like <laughs> it was it was uh, impressive hot, and and that was the night he had Tony Bennett came out and sang. Uh, sang New York State of Mind with them on the stage. It was great. And then Paul McCartney ended the show. Uh, but he remember, he was having all those guests come through. It was incredible. What a great night.
1: Uh, I want to talk about King Richard, though. New film. It's available on HBO Max. It's in theaters. Will Smith is fantastic. Getting lots of Oscar covers. Our producer, Ugo, giving it two thumbs up. I'll give it three. Really, Maple Ugo? Leaves. Wow, yeah. nice.
2: <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Two thumbs up for you? Yeah. Wow. Will
1: Smith playing Richard Williams. Of course, the father of Venus and Serena. Difficult guy. Cantankerous guy. But- I mean, it's, it is a remarkable story. When you think about the fact these two girls are coming from Compton, California, became two of the greatest tennis players ever, and this guy did it with will and determination. And he's got five kids and driving around on a bus. I mean, it's it's a really
2: cool story. And I thought Will Smith was excellent. Check out King Richard, HBO Max. You? No, uh, let's. I, I haven't really watched it. I've been too busy watching football. Yeah. Too busy. I mean, there, I, I've had no time. I got to get back on succession. But you know, when the Thursday night games, Friday, Saturday, I mean, there's really no time in between. Yeah. I, I, I want there's so much I want to see. I have not started Yellowstone yet, which I I have compl- I have I'm caught up for the for the seasons, but I haven't started this season, so I'm anxious to get into that.
1: Ugo also giving that one two thumbs up. So we'll get around to that. And, and tonight, I'm going to take my wife to go see House of Gucci because I love Pacino and she loves Lady Gaga. So I'll have a review for you next time on the GM Shuffle.
2: The great. Joel Solomon, who's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I worked with him out at the Ringer. He's tremendous. One of the greatest and funniest guys I've ever met in my life. And he tweeted out that that the the Pittsburgh Steelers have more more have different personalities, much like the different accents of Italian in the, in the house of Gucci. So apparently, like, everybody's Italian accent in the house of Gucci must be really bad.
1: I can't wait. Linguistics, not a strength, perhaps, in the house of Gucci. Thanks for checking out the GM Shuffle. We are back twice a week, and we'll be back with you later this week to talk about the games coming up. Thanks for the support. As always, go to Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. You can check out Mike's work there on Substack as well and follow us on Instagram and Twitter.